I love you. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes to another lovely episode. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. It will be a lovely episode, won't it? <clears throat> a lovely episode about a lovely man. At least I think he's lovely. Uh, I think he's lovely too. I am the Faceless Leon, and this is Green Faceless on the Couch. This is a podcast about movies and TV. And as a frequent couch potato and once movie goer, uh, I drink soda, and I also <gasps> have a weird digestive thing. And if they're connected, I don't know. But <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure they are. I too have weird digestive issues, and I drink I really mostly try diet to coke. Keep it, so. I try to keep it to one soda a day. And You're a much better person than I am. Well, honestly, if I drink too much of it, I just I feel like shit. But I do drink a lot That's of coffee fair. too, and that can't help. Yeah, but some <laughs> somewhere in there, there's a healthy side to coffee. There's there's right. there's I good have, there's good benefits. Right, but I, I think they're like that's with like one cup, and I typically have. Today I only had one cup, but you know I'm on a soda, and I woke up at ten, yeah. and it's not that far. In the well, afternoon. you're also not adding sugar and stuff to it, right? You just do I you put, do it black, or do you? I do it with uh, oat milk. Oat milk. Oat milk. Oat milk. <laughs> I need a little bit oat milk. I went there. into the the That's coffee right. shop the other day, and uh, I was just like, I just want a cup of the drip. And uh, I got a cup <laughs> for the drip, and then I went over there, oh and uh, I couldn't decide on which milk to get. So I was like, oh hey, do you got any coconut or and or oat milk back there? And they said, <laughs> our oat milk is kind of runny. <laughs> Ew. So you're going to want our coconut milk. It's more creamy. It's nasty. All right, I'm gonna put that away in a drawer. Lyat's nasty. <laughs> Goodbye. No, I, I usually do oat milk with my uh, with my smoothies. Oh yeah, I like it. I like some good oat milk. Me too. I've been having oat been, milk. This has been breakfast morning talk with Green and Faceless. <laughs> I recently picked up a box of Life cereal because I realized that I missed cereal, and the only reason why I stopped eating it is because. It was the milk that was bothering me. Like, I haven't been having That's fair. cow milk in, in quite some time. Cheese doesn't seem to bother me. I'm sure it does. But they do have, yeah. uh, you know, good proteins and biotics and other things that milk doesn't have. Yeah. Because it hasn't See, I'm cultured like, that. I'm really awful in that I never correlate what goes in through my mouth as affecting my body. Uh-huh. Because it's just like... I still, like, I've had my gallbladder taken out, uh, fair warning for everybody. When I was being operated on by the government, they were just like, wonder what organs they have. And they just removed my gallbladder, and they're just like, oops. And that's so how I don't we have discovered that people, like, don't need gallbladders. It was all thanks to these experiments. No. <laughs> I feel like they knew before that. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that was an earlier yeah, thing. That would probably study, be pretty, it could have been. Like, it'd be pretty rough. I'm pretty sure that one can kill you. Uh, at least appendicitis can, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If, if that goes untreated, yeah. 
Uh, but no, it was, it's ridiculous though, because without my gallbladder, literally anything can cause me to, you know, just have a big bad time. Yeah. And it's really, it's really sad because I'm so bad at correlating again, what I eat as into how, like how it affects my body. Right. That I still don't know which foods do that. I'm just tossing the dice every single time. Yeah. And it's just like. That's how it is. It's just like every single day at the end of the day, I'm just like, oh, man, why does my body hurt like this? And it's like, maybe it's because I ate something and right. I just haven't thought about that ever. I really just need to start keeping there is food this diaries. diet. There is this diet that is more of like an experiment rather than a diet for you to find out what foods affect you. And you literally start off with bland, no butters or anything, mashed potatoes. And that's all right with me. You go, you go a week. Yeah. I like mashed potatoes. Honestly, I don't know about you, but I, I am like the laziest eater in the world that like the blandest food. I'd be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. This is fine. <laughs> so I had to live off of rice for like a, two months. Of, I was like, you had to live off sucked, of but rice? I was like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, because my gallbladder, when oh, they were trying to figure out what, what was going on with me. I heard a B in front of that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Bice? No, with the R. Bryce. Oh, Bryce. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I had, I had to live, live off, off of rice. rice. Because, yeah, when my when they were trying to figure out what was going on with my uh, with my gallbladder... The only food that would not cause me severe pain was rice. So it was just for two months, basically, all I ate was rice well, and green beans, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's the thing. Like, you start off there, and then you slowly add in other things. And if you have a hard time with something, then then you stop eating that thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is I'd have a hard time with chocolate, and I'm not giving up chocolate. Fuck that. I didn't know that you... <laughs> really like chocolate that much uh only reese's oh that's yeah. fair that's fair i don't like them yeah. as much since they changed the recipe about 10 years ago uh, also if you're if you're out there and you say reese's we're not friends oh is that right we're not friends yeah don't if you if you call it reese's get the fuck out of here it's reese's we ain't cool it's reese's it's a family name reese yeah it's it's I it's see. literally Reese apostrophe S. It's Reese's, <laughs> Reese's, Reese's. We ain't friends. I'm hanging out now. Um, <laughs> what are we here for? What are we doing? We're talking about <laughs> Nathan Lane. Um, it uh, it is June, and here in the states, anyways, it's uh, Pride Month, and we are both. Yay. Uh, recognized members uh but you know not the highest of participants i feel like uh <laughs> no i i really badly would love to go to a, a pride parade though. i've been he was having one this weekend i really thought about it but yeah it w you probably would have had fun but zelda is very sick yeah, I, was, I can't do pretty much anything right now yeah poor puppy it's been a weird week for both of us a bit too personal I feel like on either end, but yeah, uh, that's why the episode's late. We hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Pride Month. Uh, yeah, I have been to a uh, Pride Festival or two. I can't quite recall. Uh, I, I think I went twice in the Fort Wayne 
pride, but this was before I really recognized myself as as being interested in in men as well as women and mm. everyone else. The, but the everyone else part that's even more recent than uh right. <laughs> but anyways. I digress. Uh well I mean I, I about... too is like I'm similar to you where I still struggle with considering myself part of the community even though I am. Right. You know, I'm interested in journeying into trans uh sexuality. Mm-hmm. I'm you know about to meet with a doctor on that. I am non-binary, I'm bisexual, but like all of this is like recent discoveries for myself. And I say discoveries because I like hid this from myself for so long, even though I loved like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the LGBT culture and movies right. and stuff that we're yeah, going to talk I about. Always, there's reasons I, I, I love them, but I just didn't realize it. For most of my life, I definitely have been an ally before I, I right. realized Same. that I was queer. And, um, but there was a time in my life where I, you know, had a hyper-religious lifestyle because of the people who were raising me. And, you know, we were always just taught it was so wrong. So it is, it is indoctrination. nice. Indoctrination. But thank you <laughs> uh, for breaking uh, the curse with fine films like The Birdcage. Um, but also... It, uh, Indeed. You know, really, it, it took finding out that I had, you know, family members who are gay and being like, oh, well, I know this person very well and they're not evil. They just like, <laughs> yeah, they just like the same sex. So, right. Yeah, I never I never like thought of it like I was very religious up until I read the Bible and then I realized, you know my own thoughts on it, which I won't go into for fear of offending others. <laughs> but, but like, you know, it, there was a moment reading the Bible where I was getting, you know, a lot of this, like, ah, I just don't agree with a lot of this stuff. I don't agree with a lot of views that my other Christian friends have, you know, and then it took severe exposure to the LGBT world to be like, I really like this world. You know, <laughs> I really enjoy this community a lot. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing here. We're going to celebrate, lgbt uh pride month for june we're gonna have a lot of of gay fun episodes yep and we're starting off with an actor spotlight uh you already mentioned it nathan lane um lane very you know very beloved uh, gay member of our favorite actors you and me um there's a lot of them but in my in my in childhood it was probably nathan lane for like timon for the birdcage here, for right. Mouse Hunt. We both watched Mouse Hunt a lot and, as kids. And all of these iconic roles that he did, you know, and there really isn't that much where he is a lead role either. Right. Uh, but all of yeah. these things he did before he had come out. And yeah. uh, th- there's an interesting there's a... story along with that that I, I you told me about, if you want to go ahead. I, it's a weird yeah the, uh, there's a there's an oprah winfrey interview with uh with robin williams and nathan lane uh it's very very interesting interview but years later after nathan lane had already come out he talked about how robin saved him that day and how grateful he was that robin saved him because they had talked behind backstage um robin and nathan mm-hmm. lane had before the interview and everything and uh, that you know nathan lane was kind of scared because he was closeted. Um, but I think Robin knew at the time that he was closeted. Mm. 
And, you know, Nathan said he wasn't, you know, wasn't ready to talk about it. He wasn't ready to go into that. And in Birdcage, he is playing a gay character right. uh, who is very feminine. And, you know, he figured that it was going to come up and he was going to be worried about it and scared. And there's a moment in the interview with Oprah where she literally just straight up asks Nathan, she's like, aren't you worried about, you know, being typecast in these like highly feminine, highly gay roles? You know, right. it's like, aren't you worried about like what that'll do to like your personal life or like, you know, just typecast in general? And there, there was something that there's some some way she said it. That, like, right when she finished, Robin Williams, like, immediately knew that Nathan was just, like, not prepared to answer that. And Robin jumped in and made it a joke. Yeah. Like, he jumped in. He immediately flipped the story back at, at Oprah and made it a joke. Just, like, you know, said so he's just like, girl, you flipped into a gay lady right there, like, yourself. Like, hey, mid-question. You know, <laughs> when you said that. And he just made it into, like, he just completely rambled into a, a, a different segment basically right and they were immediately talking about something else and he just saved nathan lane from having to answer that question it's really cool um but yeah it's it, good old good old robin williams you know yeah. it's, it's just a nice little robin williams story and you know seeing nathan lane talk about it uh another human being that we uh cherish deeply from our childhood at least me especially yeah um <clears throat> Okay, we we picked out two movies, both from the '90s, which is probably probably at the height of his, uh, uh, I don't know, um, infamy, not infamy, uh, <laughs> the height of his. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. Though. Yes, his popularity. His popularity. Yes, this is when everybody yeah. knew who Nathan Lane was by his face, and. Uh, the movie that we watched the most actually came out after the birdcage, but I thought we'd talk about it first because it probably was my introduction to his face. Obviously, Timon it was my introduction right, right. to Nathan Lane from The Lion King. But right, I had a moment as a kid watching The Mouse Hunt where he he says something where he yells at his brother. And like I like I I can't remember exactly what I said, but I just I know the gist of it was like turning to my mom and being like, "Is that Timon?" Yeah. And my mom being like, yeah, "Yeah, yes, that is the voice of Timon." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyhow, we're going to talk about M- Mouse Hunt first, uh, a movie that I watched a bazillion times and probably helped inform a lot of my humor. Growing up, yep, same. Uh, it is um, just up front a very dark slapstick humor <laughs> comedy. Yeah, it's black comedy. Yes, yeah. and uh, I just love that shit. And I think it, I can contribute it all to this movie. This movie, like, I was surprised that its ratings were not as high as i would have thought well, i always thought it was a right fine movie yeah i really enjoyed it as a kid i remember really loving the comedy but i will be honest coming back to it this time around not having seen it for probably 10 years or so i honestly didn't really enjoy half of it well, like there's still there's still many moments good. that i loved I, i'm glad there's we'll still moments you love but i i still yeah. rather enjoyed watching it um but I'll t- like I'll tell you like right off the bat the reason the the main reason that I struggled liking it is because Ernie Smuntz, Nathan Lane's character 
he's is an, an absolutely unlikable yeah, dick. He really is. Like <laughs> he's such an asshole, and it's so hard as a kid. Nathan Lane managed to make this like unlikable character really funny, right? And like all the stuff that happens to him, it's very slapstick. It's very like Three Stooges almost, right? And it's you know it it's it's able to be hilarious. But as an adult, I'm just sitting here like, this motherfucker doesn't deserve anything. <laughs> you know, he, he, he like, he's no, such he a dick to everybody that he deserves to have a lot of this issue, these issues that happen to him. Yeah. <laughs> he puts himself in a lot of these issues. So that's exactly right. Uh, alongside uh, his brother, Lars uh, Smuntz, who uh, just really just is an unfortunate man for some reason. Uh, he's maybe a little, <laughs> a, a, a little uh, naive. Ditzy. Yeah, maybe ditzy is a good word, actually. But like, he is a, a, a mostly a good fellow. There are, yeah, things- he's he's a much better human being yes. than Nathan Lane. Yes, that's very, or than Ernie, Ernie Smuts, let's say. But he has no ambition. Absolutely no ambition. No. Uh, Ernie has all the ambition in the family. But their father, who was also a very ambitious man, owned a string factory. He was absolutely nuts about string. I forget what their dad's name was. Um, uh, Rudolph Schmunz, Rudolph- played by William Hickey. Thank you. And this was one of his. This was one of his last it movies. Had to be, yeah. And and I want to. I just want to say, like, this is a, this is another weird trend because I saw. I've seen this in two other movies recently, uh, most specifically Cocaine Bear, where. <laughs> The movie is dedicated to somebody who died. Right. And they kill them almost immediately oh, no. in the movie. Oh, and no. I know I know it's unfortunate right. circumstance. You know, it's right. like I know they didn't intend him to die after they make this movie. Yeah. But like this um cocaine bear, it's it's dedicated to Ray Liotta. And it, and it's right. like one literally. I'm not kidding you. One of the last scenes is Ray Liotta getting torn apart by a bear. Oh, no. They have one more scene that's like maybe a minute long, and then it cuts to the credits where it says "In Memoriam" for Ray Liotta, and it's like oh, you, you literally no. just had him mauled by a bear oh, no. a minute ago, and then you say "In memory." It just feels so wrong. And in this movie, it says "In memory of William Hickey," and then right off at the beginning of the movie, the movie opens up with his funeral. And the brothers are carrying his coffin down some stairs in the rain, and the handles break off the coffin. He flies down, flies up, and then goes into a sewer drain. Oh my god, it's it's just like, and he's not even wearing pants because they did the thing with the blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, to be clear, because there is some contention in the English language. We mean underpants. Uh, uh, He's, I mean, you know, he is wearing underpants. As in pants in in the UK or other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not wearing his trousers. He's not wearing any <laughs> trousers. And he, uh, yeah, yeah. So he does leave them some things, though. He <laughs> leaves yeah, them some knickknacks, nice. including a ceramic egg and uh, some other weird stuff. Oh, his collection of, what was it? Fuck, it was something really weird. Like, why would he collect yeah, that? Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, well, but that, that, that reminds me, does the ceramic egg ever... No, they break it. Back to the... They break it oh, in okay. that scene. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think yeah, it was to right. symbolize like... this shattered relationship between the two brothers. 
Thank you. Yes. I was trying to figure out what the meaning of it was because I remember it had such a big moment when they showed it. And I'm just like, yes. I don't think it ever came back in into play. Uh, but if it was in the exact same scene, that would make sense. Uh, Lee Evans, who plays Lars, I don't know if we said that he he accidentally shoves oh, no, his thumb <laughs> into it when he ca- so Ernie throws oh, that's it right. at him. I remember now. He shoves his thumb into it on accident. And then when he finally gets it off his thumb, it breaks on the floor. And that's when Ernie is leaving. Oh, my God. I forgot about they that. They got a box of cigars, which which are important in a minute here. And uh, a oh, yeah. uh, old rundown house and his factory, what his string factory, which is not doing very well. No. And, and about the house, too, there's one big important detail that the guy told him, which was that the last owner <laughs> was found dead, locked up in a trunk yeah. up in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's crazy stuff. But the box of cigars. Yes. Uh, uh, Ernie takes that back to his restaurant. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, even though it's old and disgusting and trash and he runs a five-star restaurant kind right. of thing. He decides to put it on the same countertop as where he's cooking. Right. Yeah. It's really <laughs> dumb. Ernie has no the one else to The CGI cockroach you've ever seen comes crawling right. out. But you know, dude, when we were growing up, I thought it was really good. I thought it was just a, a you know, real cockroach. I really Yeah, did. I mean, it, it looked pretty good until like once it's on the fort. There's a moment right. where it right. crawls out, it gets into the food. And then somebody stabs it with a fork and you can see like, you know, it's wriggling there, but it's just, it looks so bad. Yeah. It was yeah. just like, as a kid, yes, I fell for it. But in real life, oh, in uh, real, in life, real life, yeah. in adult life, <laughs> <laughs> in the adult world. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, that ruins, that ruins Ernie. That does. Like, Cause his whole, his whole restaurant goes under. Um, and all that he has left to his name now is this stupid fucking string factory with his brother That's Lars. That's right. Um, so in the meantime, Lars decides not to sell the factory to this uh, nylon cord company. I don't remember what they're called. <laughs> uh, and they, 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 I always equated them to the mob for some reason when I watched this movie. Maybe because both of the it guys feels have that Italian way, yeah. American accents. Um, <laughs> well, also, also the the house that they have that was gifted to them by their father was uh, a repayment gifting, you know, for somebody else. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, that's something yeah. like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. This is it's so weird. Um, anyhow, he gets kicked out of the house by April, his wife, played by Vicky Lewis, um, and she. Is because because she wants to have a, a rich person life. I think she came from a, yeah. She wants money. Yeah, she wants money, and she thinks Lars is a loser, so she kicks him out. And uh, so he goes to get some food at a diner, and Ernie's working there. <laughs> uh, so they meet back. It's like up. the most ridiculously random thing ever, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it seems like, it all feels like it's the same night. That the the cockroach thing happens. So it's really silly like that he got fired and immediately found a job at this uh, place. Completely changed their menu. Yeah, they don't do time well at all in this movie. Like, it is is all over the place like that. But I I still have enjoyed it, this rewatch of it. 
So yeah, they have nowhere else to go, and they end up going to the house. Eventually, through shenanigans with this mouse, find the blueprints, find out that it's a Lou Larue. That's not right. Larue. Larue. The last. It's a Larue. The last Larue. Michael Cheddar. <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's it's this famous uh, you know it's it's a fake guy right but it's a um it's a famous architect who created these beautiful homes and all these crazy people wanted it including um a heavy set oh what's his name maury maury shaken that's right um, playing alexander falco yeah and he just eats as he talks and uh yeah assumes people will pick up after <laughs> him uh he has a servant who hands him food yes he <laughs> he says one time he says uh cucumber sandwich <laughs> he's <laughs> he's putting on this like european accent too uh and veggie stick veggie stick <laughs> no 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 he didn't, he didn't say he didn't say um cucumber sandwich he said vegetarian snack <laughs> that's it yeah vegetarian snack <laughs> and, oh, it's so and good. then another time while he's eating like fistfuls of cherries out of this bowl and talking to nathan lane at the same time he says uh, yeah. there's a bunch of euro trash out there hogging the shrimps <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. I mean, the the big problem with this though is this this guy Maury Shaken, uh, the actor Maury Shaken playing Alexander Falco again. He's a collector, right? He has like twenty three or twenty four of these fucking Larue houses, and he wants another one. And he offers them like three or four times that right. he will pay them an exorbitant amount of money, yeah. like ten million dollars. Yeah, they have a way out if the they whole just time. give it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they constantly, Ernie specifically, constantly turns it down because he has the bright idea that if this guy's willing to pay $10 million, somebody else will pay $11 million, So let's put it up for auction. Right. And the only problem with that is to put it up for auction, they have to get it up to, you know, up to standard basically right. to, to you know, sell it. it well. Yeah. Yeah. And they're being fucked over by this fucking mouse, yeah. you know, Tom and Jerry style. Yeah. This mouse is much smarter than them. And it has has ridiculous abilities too. Like there's a this mouse really pushes it to the limits of, of what, what you a can mouse can do. happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, it apparently has lived for like several decades, a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, we'll get to that actually because I, I want to talk about the the routes they take. First, they try to take care of it themselves. That right. obviously goes very bad in a bunch of slapstick, very funny manners. Then. They turn to a cat, the most deadly of cats that they could find yeah, at the nearest Cat-Zilla. pet store. <laughs> yeah, Catzilla. Did you know who voiced yeah. Catzilla? Oh, I don't know who voiced Catzilla, but um, was it our boy Frank Welker? It was gonna be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who gave um, them uh, uh, Catzilla at the the um, the the uh, shelter um a guy named maury uh maury that's right but maury was played by ernie sabella who placed P- uh, pumba 
Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was a I didn't lot recognize of that name. Lion wow. King references just littered throughout this movie that I never would have picked up as oh, a kid. Man. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I mean, I kind of want to go back and rewatch that scene now to see if there's something I missed. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, it, it was like all of the references aren't necessarily in that scene. Like later when the auction happens, this <laughs> this Arabian man comes in and <laughs> Ernie oh, yeah. Ernie addresses him by saying a matata <laughs> Yeah, and I, I remember I, that one. I, that was hilarious. I did not. I was not looking at the screen. Just all of a sudden, I heard Timon say "Hakuna Matata," and I started <laughs> cracking up. And I said, "Sarah, we gotta go back. I missed who he dressed Hakuna Matata." And we go back, and I was like, oh, mm, it's bad. "Maybe slightly racist, but still." Yeah, maybe a bit. <laughs> but I also, I also kind of wonder if it was an uh, improv. Line. Yeah, maybe. Like if he was just like. <laughs> Yeah, he just thought it'd be funny. But, uh, yeah, the, the second route, once that cat gets absolutely murdered by the, the rat, yeah. like, there's no other way to around it. The cat gets killed. Um, they bring in an odd, this is how, this is how Wikipedia describes him, an odd and eccentric exterminator <laughs> named Caesar, played by Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I think this might have been my first Christopher Walken uh, introduction as well as when I was a kid. It's it, it was either this or Batman Returns. Oh, uh, it was probably Batman Returns for me, but I'm not sure. It, th- we did watch both of them quite a lot, right? <clears throat> now he's he's absolutely wackadoo. Yes, and I love it. Yeah, it is. Like, he's, he's quintessential ham, ham Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. He, like to the point of there's my favorite moment is when he's crawling on the ground and he spots some rat doo no, and like he has like five <laughs> different lenses that right. magnify in so he can look at it and he's like yes and he picks it up with tweezers and he examines it and then he does the final examination which is popping it in his yeah. mouth and eating it <laughs> oh my god yeah. and it's even weirder it's it's funnier too because the mouse sees him do this yes. and like the mouse tilts its head at the camera like what in the fuck yeah what did and then later after, after it bests christopher walken the mouse does it poops on his face and that was a that was a little factoid i never noticed <laughs> until i was an adult yeah yeah he poops right under his mouth he's like there you go have a fresh one oh yeah <laughs> he's like i know you like this <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the part where it gets where this whole mouse like it becomes very questionable like obviously the stuff we see on screen it's obviously you know right. a fake mouse yeah. and cgi like a mouse isn't really going to do this kind of stuff i don't stuff. know if jim henson was involved but some of it was really right cute. that's true yeah that's some of it was him, him sleeping in his little home yeah, was adorable it was. i Pulling fucking over the little like stretched out piece of cotton over uh, so cute. so cute so cute but like it, it, the stuff that he does though the stuff that we see on camera is like believable mm. from how they pull it off you know it's right. like you can be like yeah obviously this is a fake mouse and everything but like i can see a mouse having you know a, a wire strapped to it or whatever and running across the house and then like setting up this trap like it's kind of funny it's not carrying the wire but it's like you know it's, right. it has it in its mouth or whatever it, like sure i can i can see it doing that 
obviously it's never going to happen in real life, but it's believable in how it does it. But we later hear audio of Christopher Walken getting tortured by the mouse. <laughs> and like you hear him, you hear, you hear like a chainsaw kind of thing, like start up in the background. And, and Christopher Walken's like, no, put it down, put it down. And I'm just like, okay. They clearly didn't film this because it wouldn't look believable at all. Because I don't know what the fuck it's holding, but it's clearly like a, a machine of some sort that's scaring Chris. And it's like, no. And then they also mentioned in a one-off line that I didn't catch as a kid, but I did as an adult, which was that Christopher Walken was found trapped yep. in a locker up in the attic. Yep. So it's just like... This mouse is a murderer because it killed yeah. that one owner. Yeah. Like, or at least his great-grandpa did or great-great-whatever. Yeah, yeah. He passed down the secrets of human torture. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I've it's kept fucked, everyone man. out of this house. Oh, shit. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about Nathan Lane and then do closing statements. Yes. Indeed. So, in this movie, uh, Nathan Lane is very confident. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I always feel like he exudes that kind of confidence in all of his um, roles, maybe a little bit less in mm. the birdcage because uh, uh, Albert is a little more fragile, but Ernie is uh, he, you know, he's not sentimental at all. And it really, no. it really works for Nathan Lane, but I've also seen him be, a very sweet individual in films. So right. it, 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 while it is the quintessential, like what Nathan Lane's personality is good at, you know, it's not like it's the only thing that he has in his toolbox. And the fact is that he does it very well. Um, like yeah. you said, you hate <laughs> him. You hate Ernie Schmunz. Yeah. But he's funny as fuck. He's so unlikable. Yeah, he really is. Uh, I mean, and the more that they go through uh, and actually become brothers, Ernie and Lars, and how the mouse does change him. Like, Ernie does have a character arc. Um, Yeah. I mean, but it's still still motivated incredibly by greed. Oh, yeah. And only greed. Like even even their when they reap the rewards at the end, it's just so they can make a fucking cheese factory. This is true. Like this is true. Though I do want to really try the yarn ball cheese. It does sound very appetizing. I always thought that when I watched this too. Yeah. I was always just like, man, I want that. I want to like, eat that. Why has why haven't they done this? Yeah. Like it seemed like uh like you know it seemed like they were making Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, but for this string but for cheese. cheese. Yeah, and it's run by a mouse. And it's run by a, because a mouse. who better who better to know That's right. <laughs> what makes good cheese? <laughs> and it comes completely out of the left field too. Like I, I'm sorry, I know we're talking about Nathan Lane, but like I don't it, even remember how they the, like, the get ending, to the factory. Yeah, it's it's dumb. It, it really is dumb. But it's just like the the whole resolution. Like, why does the mouse finally decide? Like, okay, I'm going to help these guys make their millions. Is it like does he has it has the mouse earned respect for them? Yeah, I don't understand I don't, this this act at all. Yeah, because they've been maybe enemies he feels throughout the really entire bad. movie. He feels really bad yeah. because they literally have no place else to go. Oh, these fuckers tried to send me to Cuba, but I guess <laughs> I'll try to make them millionaires. Like uh, I just weird. like all the bits. I 
I really enjoy this movie. I think nostalgia is propping up quite a bit of that for me, but it's still very fun. I give it a 100% a full face. And uh, yeah, you should check it out sometime if you get the chance. It is funny. It's it's a little dated. Not very strong women characters, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) Which really is kind of both of these movies, but the next movie is about that's male homosexuals. That is. Yeah, I I enjoy Mouse Hunt still. I have I had more struggle with it as an adult than I did as a kid. I really enjoyed it a lot as a kid, but coming back to it, I was actually kind of sad because I like Nathan Lane. I really do love him. Um, he's more straight in this than I remember. For whatever reason, oh, yeah, looking back on it, I still thought he was uh, a gay character. And you can kind of watch this movie and just think that still, mm. because when he's the, the the only moment where he's actually flirting with the women is when he's sitting across from them on the on park benches, and he's kind of just like he's got their attention and he starts entertaining them with his hat, right? And you know, then his hat blows in the wind, and it's like. You could watch it and be like, yeah, he's trying to set up dates for later. But at the same time, it kind of just looks like, you know, he's just trying to entertain some people that he finally, like, he caught their eye. Maybe. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I I always watch this movie. Ernie does seem to like attention. I mean, uh, he, just for the sake of his, the image of his restaurant, he pretended to be a French chef. Like, he always greeted everyone with a, a French accent. A really bad one, but it's funny. Yeah, really bad one. Very stereotypical. Yeah. Yeah, but like I don't know, I, I really still like his uh his acting in this. His acting is great. His character is not. And he did a lot for this character. It's very well acted. It's very you know, he, he does do a beautiful job. But on rewatch I was I struggled a lot with this movie because it's just it's very I get that. It's a lot of the stuff that happens is very unlikable humor. And you know, and and like I, I can enjoy watching people, you know, be <laughs> tortured by a mouse, basically. <laughs> but I don't know. There, there comes a moment where it's just it's too much. Yeah. And I, I only, I'm only gonna give this movie a two and a half. It's still fine. Um, it's it's an enjoyable movie, but it, it just wasn't what I remembered as a kid. Right. Uh, but I will say I had a surprise when I was watching it. Which was when the director popped up. It's directed by Gore Verbinski. Um, Gore Verbinski is the director of The Ring and Pirates oh. of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, and I would have, I would have guaranteed that The Ring was my first uh, Gore Verbinski movie. <laughs> but when his name popped up, I was like, "What he did? What <laughs> he directed Mouse Hunt before he did The uh, Ring? Oh, funny. it's so weird feeling." But oh my gosh. Oh, and the music. The music was Alan Silvestri from Back to the Future. Like the he oh. does a lot of Zemeckis films. So like I was I, I did like the music because yeah. it's a very good mouse, it like added mouse heist. To the humor a lot. Yeah. A lot. Alright, well I yeah. think um we're ready to move on, but first we're going to take a nice deep drink at the soda fountain. Uh an ice iced tea drink? No. no. Ice cold. Nice long. What did I say? Let's take a Iced soda tea. pop break. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Well, I love you too. Oh, thanks, Greg. 
Ah. <laughs> uh, well then. Uh, let us dive in here real quick and real fast. I really like... To the birdcage. I really like how we kind of did this on accident, and I wonder if Nathan Lane has ever, like, seen this and noticed it. But it's Mouse Hunt, a birdcage. I mean, that's fun. I mean, yeah. He was being typecast in movie roles <laughs> that, you know, had to deal with animals and traps. Lion King. Lion King, exactly. It's like, it's like Rob Marshall and his repertoire of movies. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, hold on. I'm going to pull it up so, just so I can laugh at it real quick. It's it's an incredibly dumb joke that I've always said. Because yeah, it's like I always said he has to do with voices. You know, he's, he's always about the voice. Right. And it was, uh, he did Chicago, and then there's some other movies that I'm not going to talk about, because <laughs> they don't fit this joke. <laughs> but there was Chicago, there was Into the Woods, Mary Poppins Returns, and then The Little Mermaid, he's like, finally capped it off with the voice where she just loses her voice. <laughs> Anyways, so, The Birdcage. The Birdcage. Directed cage. by Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Ah. Uh, written by Elaine May. Based on a play, uh, I, I don't speak sense. French. La, que, la cage au feu. Uh, la cage au feu. Uh, Jean Puray. Puray. I would say. Well, they listen Puray, to us in I France. They listen to us in France. And this is a. So they can tell us if we're doing it bad. Yeah, you know, I actually noticed that recently. I was looking at our. our um, our reach, how how well we have done, mm-hmm. and hello, French listeners. Yeah, they, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's either a lot of you or, or one, one very avid listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and we really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, we, we really do. We, it's got, nice. we get a decent amount in Germany and in the UK as well. Uh, and, yeah, uh, India, India, and one in Sri Lanka. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I get some. In, we get some in South America too, but I, I think that might be a friend of mine who uh, has friends in several different countries that she goes to visit. Hell yeah! No, it's um. Uh, this was another movie where I I realized I had an introduction to a person long before I you know thought I did, and that was the cinematographer. Um, this movie is not as beautiful. As a lot of his other work, uh, it's Emmanuel Lubezki. Oh yeah, he, um, he does a lot of uh, Alfonso Cuarón and Alejandro Garcia. Uh, no, sorry, I did it wrong again. Alejandro González Iñárritu. I always get his name wrong. This must be um, a pre- rather early one in his career, though, because those were all. It really is, yeah. Uh, Two thousand teen movies, right? Those. Uh, no, he started working with them like not too long after. Like I thought, my first was Sleepy Hollow. He did Sleepy Hollow with Tim Burton, mm-hmm. um, but then he did E2 Mama Tambien with Alfonso Cuarón, which was two thousand and one. So technically, it's two thousand movies. Um, but that's when he started working with Alfonso was two thousand one, and he blew my fucking mind in two thousand six with uh, Children of Men. That's the one where yeah, that, they had that beautiful ass cool. long shot in the car. Yeah, where when I watched them do it, uh, I watched the behind the scenes of how he planned this whole shot out in the car. God damn, what a genius cinematographer! It was amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it, 
um, the birdcage is still beautiful. There's a lot of good use of color. And, uh, you know, it's very, very routine shooting for a lot of this stuff. Um, but you don't really notice the camera work as you do the, the acting, I will say. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump in to the birdcage and get our eyes pecked out. No. Um, Yay. Oops. So we have starring in this film, obviously Nathan Lane as Albert <laughs> and Albert is um, the star at the birdcage. And uh, he dresses up what what was his alter alternative his drag name what's his was it mabel it might be i don't remember i forget but they they perform uh you know as a woman in a a drag show at the birdcage that it's a drag bar Oh. oh starina starina that's right starina the star of the show and um (laughs) So they and Armand Goldman, being Robin Williams, is Albert's partner and also the director of the drag show in the Birdcage. And uh, you know they're very much in love with each other, but they're they're getting older, and Albert is getting more insecure about his ability to pull off Starina and whether or not Armand loves him. And he's right. very convinced and Armand that... has a fucking killer ass mustache. Yes, Armand does yeah. have a killer ass mustache. Like honestly, this is like one like I think it was my mom who said that she thought this was one of the sexier Tom uh Robin oh, Williams. For roles. sure. Yeah. yeah. He's really hot in it. Um and yeah. <laughs> so is their decor and his wardrobe too. Like it's just oh, fucking yeah, yeah. great. And it's like, man, I, I watch this. I watch this, and I'm like, oh, that yeah, you are gay. Okay, uh, of course, <laughs> Robin Williams is not gay, as far as I'm aware. Uh, was not, and, no, and neither is their uh, their servant. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Agador, uh, live in Butler, friend. Uh, Agador is great, really. Uh, he ha- he has quite a bit of Guatemalanness, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hank Azaria plays very femme, uh, for Agador, but it is hilarious. Um, right. I don't know if he is. Yeah, I guess uh, Guatemalan himself. I I I believe he's Italian. You know, I don't but... think he is. I believe he's like Italian or Armenian, but it doesn't. I don't know if that matters. It's an old. Oh, that's film. fair. I would have. I would have said he sounds very New Yorker, and that that and Italian are pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of Italian New Yorkers. Uh, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I believe that's probably what you're talking about. <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, he's famous for for The Simpsons. Though. That's right, why I know him because Yeah. You know, it's it's really funny to see the man behind a lot of those those voices. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you're a Simpsons fan, he voices Mo, Chief Wiggum, jeez, uh, yeah. a lot of other characters. But I think I think some of the more racist characters too. Oh yeah, um, I think he did do Apu, but Apu is, is yeah. gone now. 
They and they all understood. Now. They all understood. They just they learned. They learned. Yeah. And you know, I, is, I gotta I think say, that is some, one negative I've been of this movie, The Simpsons. I've been watching The Simpsons. Some of those Apu episodes yeah. are great. The, he was an actual character. He just was also a giant stereotype. <laughs> and you know, they they right. did a lot of good commentary with him, but. As time moved on, it became more and more obvious how problematic he truly was. So they got rid of him. Yeah. And I'm glad that they, they recognized it, too. I mean, right. it's been on air for so long that obviously it's going to have issues like that. Of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that that's one of this film's negatives. And it's, again, it's 1996. It's not really a negative because, you know, we're learning still. We're, we're doing better, but not quite as good as we can be. Right. But... At this time, Nathan Lane was, as I mentioned already, he was not out as a as a gay man. Right. You know, he was still, you know, it wasn't a public thing. So this movie in 1996 cast what they assumed to be three straight men in three very gay roles. Right. And, you know, I, I do think that all three of them pulled it off really well. I mean, Nathan Lane, obviously, after the fact is, we understand. But it, there is something but to say against this movie. He's for... still playing much against his own personality. I, he, oh, yeah, he yeah, is I not nearly as effeminate as Albert is. But man, some of Albert's costumes are so good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's like and I really love Albert's uh, personality too. Mm-hmm. Because when I first watched this, I again, I, I think the first time I watched it was with you, like freshman year of college. But something something tells me, and mom might correct me too, that we we might have watched this when I was younger, hmm. because you know it, it does feel familiar. But like even the first time I watched this in college, like it, Albert's personality, like the 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 dramatic flare ups and everything, I constantly thought that him and Armand in my first watch through, I thought their marriage was like not that solid. I thought right. maybe they were they were arguing too much and all that stuff. Watching it this time, which is probably like my fourth or fifth time watching it, it's very much not the case. It, they are they are a really good They're couple. Really like Armand knows, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Albert is just very dramatic, and yeah. also <laughs> is just at a fragile point in their life because they're getting on and uh, and middle aged, and uh, they just yeah. don't feel as sexy when we meet Albert as a, the audience, member. right? Yeah, and, and Armand Armand handles it so well. Yeah. Like you know, he's just he, he doesn't he doesn't give in to it. He just plays along with it, and then like, well, if it goes too far, he he says, "Stop it, Albert!" Like you know, it's just yeah. like you you you're going too much. You're right. Like that's obvious. I'm not cheating on you. Right. Like, <laughs> and and, and the, uh, Albert is very convinced that Armand is cheating, and they come up one night. And find that there's uh, white wine poured and stuff. And they are downright, <laughs> uh, like, getting down their throat. And they're like, it's Val. Val is here. Val is their son. Uh, more directly, Armand's son. Albert raised Val along with Armand. And Val is played by Dan Futterman. <laughs> I'm not laughing at his name, I swear. <laughs> We thought he was like three different actors throughout the movie. Uh, like, <laughs> it, you guys kept on saying different things. And I'm like, he doesn't look like them. And then all of a sudden there was one scene I was like, wait a second. Is that a young Bradley Cooper? 
<laughs> and then I was just fucking convinced for the rest of the movie that he was Bradley Cooper until I finally looked. I it can't up. remember the the person that I kept thinking he looked. Like. <laughs> I think uh, Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Fillion. Yeah, yeah, Nathan Fillion. Yep. Yeah. There was somebody else. It was Nathan Fillion and somebody else. And the picture that they have here of him looks like Hayden Christensen. So I don't fucking know. <laughs> He's every man. Every white man is his name. <laughs> so, but that's that's this movie's problem. Is is Val Goldman and his wife, uh, or soon to be wife, um, Barbara. Uh, I believe. Thank you, Barbara Keeley, played by Callista Flockhart. They're the unlikable characters. And that's yeah. what saves this movie as opposed to the mouse hunt is the mouse hunt. The main characters are the unlikable characters. And this, it's just the instigators of the problem that are the unlikable characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, Val. So this is what the crux of the whole thing is, is that Val wants to marry Barbara, but their family is very conservative super far right wing rather uh for the yeah, times crazy. even because it was like it wasn't Likened that crazy to jeb bush yes yes um but anyways very much again would be against uh this relationship with a man whose family runs a gay nightclub uh however and whose parents are also two gay men <laughs> yes exactly so val asks to pretend when they come when uh gene hackman being the father and uh oh man who played the the wife i forget diane west diane west senator keely i don't think they give his first name he's also a politician so like kevin 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 keely and lewis kevin keely uh or Louise, I think it's Louise. I would assume. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> being a conservative Christian family. <laughs> <laughs> so when they arrive, they they at first Armand and Val plan to get Christine uh, Baranski uh, playing Catherine, who is his biological mother, to pretend. To have a relationship with Armand just for this this meeting. And Albert's right. heart is broken by this. But yeah. uh, Armand convinces them that, you know, it's not Val. It's these assholes. And, and after they we get past the assholes, then it'll be fine. But I think right. we as modern day people know that this situation is just not going to work. Like, <laughs> like eventually, it very you're much have is to... Val. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like definitely. I... He, he, is, he is being very selfish. He, uh, does, yeah. he does not understand, uh, even with growing up in the culture, he does not understand how much he is asking them to, like, do what the rest of society has been telling them to do the, their entire lives. Like, hide it. Right. Hide, yeah, put it's it, just, hang it up in the closet. It just feels awful. Yeah. And, like, like a lot of the crux of this whole movie is, like, Nathan Lane trying to prove that he can be there and he can be, like, their straight uncle. 
you know, and like be there at the same time. That was kind of sad. And it's just like it's it is kind of sad. It's still funny. They still manage yeah. to make it very hilarious. Robin Williams and Nathan Lane <laughs> work off of each other so fucking yeah. well. Yeah. That, that part everything really is still funny. hilarious. But yeah, it is still really difficult to watch at times because it's just like you're you're trying to make this like a lot of the movie is just trying to make you know, but it has a good message at the end. So right. you know. So you're reminding <laughs> me of one of my favorite Robin Williams lines in the movie. Uh he he tells Albert to try to act like John Wayne. Because Albert likes John Wayne, so you know they, they at least know what it looks like. And he, so he's like, "So you go and you strut down here like John Wayne." And as Albert is doing this John Wayne impersonation, Armand's face just keeps on shrinking and shrinking, and, and like you know, and this concerned look. And Nathan Lane's finally like, "Is that bad, huh?" And he's like, "No, I just." Never thought You're perfect. That. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> I just never knew John Wayne walked like that. <laughs> it's like a drunken swagger. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Everybody does think of him as like the manly man from that time period, yeah. but then it's just like when you actually do watch him walk, it, it literally just looks like he was a drunk. <laughs> like, <laughs> It was uh, just it was so, per- you know, really Robin Williams is just like the perfect comedic delivery, every single line. Yeah. Uh, but man, that fucking killed me <clears throat> when I watch when I when we were watching this. Yeah, it's it's fucking gold. I really love it too. And to to wax poetic about Nathan Hunt, like I love him in this role. Nathan like, Lane. He puts everything. In- yeah. Sorry. What did I say? Nathan Hunt. Nathan Hunt, <laughs> Mouse Hunt, Nathan Lane, <laughs> Nathan Lane. Yeah, he puts everything into this role. Oh, it's yes. really fun to watch. Like it's it's so enjoyable to watch Albert get upset, Albert to sing, to mm-hmm. to just dance and be happy, or like just to be Albert. Like right. it's so enjoyable. This whole fucking movie. Very talented, Nathan Lane. Uh, I I yeah, yeah. This is definitely their all-out role. Uh, I have seen them be very good in, in something. They were a bit of a tertiary character in it, but they were this southern gentleman. And, man, he, he does that really well, too. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But this is definitely your 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 badge that I think of what I think of Nathan Lane's top performances. This yeah. is not necessarily like, I feel like the quintessential character for Nathan Lane, just because he plays a character closer to Timon. Ernie and Timon more often. Uh, but right. this is just, just a great role by him. And I couldn't imagine somebody doing it in a way that I would like better. I'm sure that there's other, uh, gay actors out there who had done the performance very well, but the yeah. way that Nathan Lane works with Robin Williams, it's just it's just golden. It's a it's a beautiful movie. I'm gonna go ahead and and lead into closing statements. I give it a face and a half. There are some you know dated problematic things, but I love it. Uh, it's people yeah. that I loved and adored growing up. Being in a movie about gay people 
And it also, at the end of it, the first time I watched it, you know, uh, broadened my understanding a little bit as well. Because I was <laughs> still quite young. Yeah. Um, I, I, ha- I had already been past the point where I thought that gay people were doing evil things. Um, <laughs> but I was not like... I don't know. I, I I felt that maybe it should be kept to themselves. I think at this point, and this film helped yeah. me realize that that's that's not okay. People should be who they are. Right. Amen. Amen, siesta. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy it, though. I I give it three and a half stars. I think it's a very fun film with some issues. Yes. And um, you know, there's there's some racist moments or or uh, not racist, but more like questionable moments with uh, Gene Hackman's character. Oh Again, yeah, he says some Gene awful shit. He says some awful yeah. awful shit, and it is supposed yeah. to be making fun of Republicans, obviously. But it is right. like, what the fuck are you saying, Gene? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's again, it's like, I know he's just playing a character, but when it happened, it was just like, whoa, whoa. Gene Hackman, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little questionable, but right. at the same time, again, 1996. Right. I understand. Uh, um, I, I still enjoy it a lot. Right. I, along those lines, Hank Azaria's, uh, character probably is problematic in some way right but it is hilarious and i do not think to any extent that he was playing agador as a stereotype of a guatemalan person it was right i don't think he was making fun of it i think he was into a very good character oh yeah like yeah he's all in for this character agador spartacus is one of my favorite parts (laughs) of the movie you have to call. He doesn't respond unless you call him by his full name. Yeah. <laughs> Agador Spartacus. When they all when start I, singing, I, I, oh god, it's just so good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I I think I choose this movie both for better movie and also for better performance from Nathan Lane. Um, he does a great job in Mouse Hunt. Yes. There's a lot more slapstick, which is a very difficult comedy to pull right. off. I. Uh, but he does a great job yeah, there. I do feel like he was that generation's Charlie Chaplin and, and humor wise. Yeah. Like he really, if, if they would have picked him instead of Robert Downey Jr., I think it could have worked uh, very well. But Robert Downey Jr. did a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, he fucking did. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see what you're saying though. I, like he definitely did look the role and play the part, but. Yeah, I would uh, I would choose this one both for his best performance and best movie. I agree uh, on both accounts. Um, yeah, I I think it was more because we wanted to talk about Nathan Lane, and it, really these are two of the only ones where he's the lead role. Uh, he does not have that right. many leading roles in film. Obviously, he's also a stage actor, so he, he probably gets more recognition on stage um yeah i would have loved to see him in a performance when and during his prime yeah that would have been great i really think that he should do more i think that there is an appreciation in our generation for him more so than maybe his, his generation or the previous generation because oh, yeah. when he came out his career did seem to go down 
and yeah. we don't. Yeah, he's definitely like do- still doing a lot oh, of yeah. uh, a lot of Broadway stuff. But yeah, yeah I would have I would have loved to see him during like the producers' time period. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been a good one. We could have done the producers. Too, we could have done the producers. Oh well, I want I yeah, I, I want to talk. A movie. <laughs> I I wanted to talk Mouse Hunt because it is a childhood favorite. So, anyways, I think that's the show. I think we did it. Yeah. I think it is. Thanks for joining. Thanks Thanks for for tuning in. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you you like this episode, if you're interested in hearing more, you can head to patreon.com slash green of faces. Check us out. Got a lot of fun tiers there. You know, all the the stuff. Like, comment, subscribe, all that. And uh, I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. Fuck yeah. And I am the faceless Leon, the stretchiest experiment on Earth. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. Are you a fan of the show? Feel free to contact us at greenandfacelessfans at gmail.com or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe, or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.